Pastor. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Somebody say, God is good. God is so good. So good. As Pastor Joe said, we've been moving through the book of Romans, and um, we are in chapter 2 today. Chapter 2. So I'd like to invite you to find the book of Romans. It is the sixth book in the New Testament, and it's the first in the New Testament order of Paul's letters to the church at Rome. We know that Paul wrote several letters to different churches, and churches in the first century or the early church were similar to ours, but still very different because the church in the first century was still finding its legs. It was still being established. The Christian church was in the process of distinguishing itself as different from the Jews. But we all know as Christians that our Christian faith was based and established on the Old Testament scriptures, which was, in fact, the Jewish Bible. And so it is often said in order to be a good Christian, you must first learn to be a good Jew. And that has everything to to do with the Word of God. The Word of God is essential to one's faith. It's through the word of God that we find our faith and that we learn to trust in God's word as it was inspired through the men that wrote the Bible. And so, as we study the book of Romans, I want us to open our minds, to open our hearts, And to open our spiritual eyes so that we can see the wonders of God's law. Now, I have no reservations in calling the word of God the law of God. And just because I call it the law of God, it does not mean that we have to have a negative viewpoint or understanding of the word of God. As if it is some set of rules and regulations that we have to live according to and be perfect in completing and fulfilling the law or the word of God. The Bible was very clear in the law itself that there is not one perfect person. The only perfect person that there ever was was Jesus. And that's why Jesus is central to the law of God that we are going to be studying today and that we as the church have built ourselves around. We've built our our identity. We've built our, our structures, our worship, our praise, our understanding, our obedience upon Jesus. And because Jesus is so Wonderful, and he is so great, and he is so large, and he is also so complex. 
We understand that that place that Jesus holds in the word of God and in our hearts is separate from any of us comparing ourselves to Jesus. And so today, I do pray that the word of God brings us to a little closer understanding of who God is and who Jesus is, and that we, because of our love for Jesus, which starts with his love for us, that we, in the same way, would strive, everybody say strive, that we would strive, you guys, to live out the word of God to the best of our abilities. Because living out the word of God and raising up a standard is what God desires of us. If we as the church were just to take the word of God and throw it to the side and say, oh, you know what, it's impossible to live out and fulfill the law of God and the word of God. I'm just going to just ignore it and I'm just going to go on, on my merry way and I'm going to figure out this faith thing, you know, like I'm going in the dark with my eyes closed and just feel around and we'll just, we'll just see where the Holy Spirit takes me. Do you think that that is God's desire for his church? Absolutely not. Now, the Holy Spirit is vital, but the, the Holy Spirit was vital in us understanding the word of God so that we can understand the spirit of God, but also the spirit of the word of God. So I'm going to say some things today that are going to be pretty tough for us to, to listen to, and I'm okay with that. I grew up my whole life being that guy. My whole life, I've been that guy having to not care about what people thought about me because I, I had such a responsibility that I understood as the oldest of three boys. I wasn't perfect, but I did my best in walking with Jesus my whole life. And, you know, when my, in my groups of friends, I was always the last one to find, about, find out about something that happened or took place that the guys weren't too proud of me coming to find out. They called me preacher boy when I was growing up. I was okay with that. I also had a few years of rebellion. Those of you who knew me growing up, you know what I'm talking about. But guess what? You have to be okay as well. You have to be okay with living your lives according to the standard that God has called you to live by as a believer and as a man or woman of God. You have to be okay with being shunned sometimes. You have to be okay with people labeling you sometimes. You have to be okay with you carrying an identity that people want to give you sometimes because they put you in a place. Not that you've placed yourself in a place. Not that you have elevated yourself above anybody else. Not that you have separated yourself from the group because that's not what God's talking about. But you have to be okay with being an image bearer of Jesus Christ. You have to be okay with being a royal priesthood. You have to be okay with being a peculiar people. You have to be okay with being light in the midst of darkness. You have to be okay with being called a child of God. You have to be okay with being called different. You have to be okay with people saying that you're a goody two-shoes sometimes. 
even though it has nothing to do with you being a goody two-shoe, but it has everything to do with you wanting to please God. So if you're uncomfortable with what Paul has to say to us today, then I encourage all of us to take a good look in the mirror and ask God why you have chosen to follow Jesus. It's like, a, it's like parents that went through a divorce. And after the ugliness of the divorce and the custody battles and the, and the marital strife and the failure in, in relationship and family, and I'm not speaking to anybody here today, and I'm not using this analogy for any other purpose other than to communicate what God has called us to. That mother and father all of a sudden live with a kind of guilt and a shame that they all of a sudden allow their children to live a permissive way of life because of the guilt and the shame. And because of all of that, they just say, you know what, I'm a mess. Their, 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 their mom's a mess too. And you know what, and everything is messed up. So we're just not going to say anything to them because we don't have any, any room to talk. Because look at what we've done to our marriage. Look at what we've done to our family. And you know what, I'm the first to blame because of what I did. So now I'm going to let the kids just go buck wild and, and live however they want. You know, if they want to drink, they could just drink in my backyard as long as I'm watching over them. That's the straight life from the devil. And God has not called any of us to live with that kind of shame or condemnation or judgment. Koba's first message that he preached here when he was in his early 20s was, was uh, drop it like it's hot. And he did not play Snoop Dogg in the house of God. But he was talking about dropping the guilt and shame and the burdens that, that we carry when we look back on our lives and we understand that Jesus paid it all on the cross. Jesus died for your sins and mine. Jesus body was broken for his church. Jesus' blood was shed for the worst of sinners. And when we understand who Jesus is and how much God loves us, we could drop it like it's hot. I remember that, Cope. Still got it. We got it on CD. You know, nobody knows what CDs are anymore. You know what I'm saying? CD is like the tape. Teenage, what's a tape, right? CD is like a record. What's a record? A record is like a, a, an eight track. Praise God. Romans chapter 2. Chapter 2. So guess what? People of God, you're going to mess up. You're going to fail God. You're going to disobey. You're going to sin. You're going to continue to be imperfect. But it does not excuse us to stop striving for godly perfection. You're like, what is godly perfection? Godly perfection means that we strive according to the word of God to live out the word of God. And then when we fail, we thank God for Jesus. And then he looks on us through the, the lens of the blood of Jesus. And he sees us. As his son Jesus. Father God sees us as his son Jesus because we are covered by his blood. 
and that restores our joy. And that's called godly perfection. Because you'll never be able to live a perfect life in the sense of the word perfect, unblemished, without error in this life. But God's called us to lift up a standard. Turn to your neighbor and say, lift up the standard. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice. That's messed up. And tell them to lift up the standard. So let's read the scripture. You guys like it, huh? When I read the scripture all together and then we pray. Verse 17 of chapter 2, it says this. Now you... If you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, watch this, you then who teach others, Do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who arbor idols, that means to carve them out of wood and make idols. Do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. In other words, you've given God a bad name. And because you've given God a bad name, why would they want to serve that God? They'll just might as well keep on living and doing what they want to do. We're going to see how, you guys, we're going to make some parallels today between the Jews and the Gentiles and today between the church And the unchurched. So I think that's the practical application for the word of God today. And we'll see that the implications. We'll see what are the results and how that impacts us today. Verse 25. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements... Will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? Some of us, our heads spinning right now, not understanding what all of this stuff means, this religious jargon. The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, who even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. In verse 27, you can mark right there, put right a little note, a little dot, if you have a, a, a hard copy Bible. We're going to come back and explain that verse, how the Gentiles judge the Jews. You're probably wondering, how do the Gentiles judge the Jews? You'll see. A man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly circumcised, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. Somebody say amen. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we ask that you would 
strengthen us, unite us. Holy Spirit, come into this place right now and fill our cups. Father, I pray that you'd open our minds, you'd open our hearts, and you would open our spiritual eyes that we might see wonderful things in your law. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for your patience. We thank you for your love. And Lord, if today was Pastor Appreciation Day for us here, then Lord, we appreciate you who are the pastor of all pastors, the shepherd of all shepherds. The angel of this house is Jesus Christ. The great messenger of all messengers is Jesus Christ, the incarnate God who took on flesh, who put on this body as a tent and, and, and brought the spirit of God and placed the spirit in us. And we, Lord Jesus, the church, desire to live according to your word and to please you by our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, and the people of God said, amen. amen. Come on, people of God, put your hands together. Mission. No one is above the law. Not even cops. Not even CHP. In the last couple of years, we have seen how law enforcement has come under great judgment. Has come under great discussion. We have law enforcement and officers that are members in this church. And they firsthand know that before they represent the badge on their chest, they represent Jesus. And they understand that nobody is above the law. When people break the law, whether in uniform or not, everyone will stand judged and condemned by their own actions. You don't have to worry about whether somebody is taken to court in this, on this earth or not, because everybody will stand judgment before God for their mistakes, for their, their shortfall. That's everybody. There's some of us that are a little more self-righteous than others, and uh, we want to make sure others get in trouble if we get in trouble. Were you like that as a kid? <clears throat> I know I was. I remember I got in trouble in second grade, so I... I said, I might as well incriminate Mark Wagner and Kanan Mulholland, too. So all three of us went down, and they were mad at me for like a day and a half because we brought, we brought ninja stars. Remember the ninja stars back in 1988? You can go to the swap meet and buy ninja stars, Chinese slippers, and pretend you were Bruce Lee. Some of us more like Bruce Leroy. But no one is above the law. And as we mature and as we grow, we come to the understanding of, you know what? I'm responsible for me and nobody else. I'm not responsible for that guy, for that household, for them over there. I'm responsible for me and my own house. Can I hear an amen? And as believers, God has called us to lift up the standard. He's called us to lift up the standard unashamedly he's called us to lift up the standard because watch this each one of us has to live according to the standard pastors are not above the standard 
Pastors, the Bible says it is good to want to be an overseer or a teacher of the law, but you are being held to a greater standard. So pastors, you may be appreciated today and honored by our people, but we are to not be worshipped and we are to not be lifted up above the law or above the standard. We are all held accountable to the word of God just like everybody else. And there was somebody in the Bible that we learn about that understood that very difference. And his name was Paul. Paul, at this point in time, in the early church, as the church began to pop up and as the church began to grow and populate and spread all throughout the Roman world. Guess what? Paul had this great understanding. The Lord explained to him what faith was all about. He, understand, he understood the faith of Abraham, and he wanted to take the, the faith of Abraham, and he wanted to bring that blessing and that blanket to the whole world. And Paul understood that as a Jew, they were meant to be a people, a nation, that would bring salvation to all the world. Instead, the Jews, because of their religious system, they became very ethnocentric. They began to look at themselves like they were a cut above the rest. They began to think of themselves as lifted up or as puffed up. But Paul, who understood being a Jew, being a Pharisee, which means a teacher of the law, and then transformed by God, humbled by God, he had an encounter with Jesus And it was through that encounter with Jesus on his road to Damascus that God chose to use Paul to bring the gospel to the Gentiles and to teach the Jews as well about their role and their responsibility within the body of Christ and what the responsibility of the Jews was in order that they would not separate themselves anymore from the world, but they would also learn how to allow themselves to be in the world and to be used of God to reach the world. So Paul became a kind of arbiter. He became like a referee. He became like an umpire in baseball, calling balls and strikes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Naked Gun, don't you? Paul became like the arbitro in soccer. He, he saw something, red card. You're disqualified from the match. You could come back next week. In basketball, penalty, out of bounds. Paul became the referee between the Jews and the Gentiles. Paul became the one that God chose to use in order to bring two groups together and to sit them at the same table like two rival gangs. I said, all right, homie. Hey, sit down, homes. Let's have a talk. Some of you guys that did some time in the pen, you, you, guys, you guys know what, what those meetings are like, too. Mom and dad sometimes have to, have to bring their, 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 their Cain and Abel's to the table and sit them down and talk to them too. Paul became a referee, a kind of judge. 
because he had understanding, he had knowledge, he had wisdom. But Paul wasn't above the law either, which is why he was not the ultimate judge. He's not the ultimate referee. Paul's job was not to disqualify completely. His job was not to condemn. That's God's job. So the language that Paul is using here in Romans chapter 2 was not the kind of language that condemns somebody eternally. Paul is allowing the word of God to speak. And sometimes people have problem with the person who speaks because they're the messenger who's bringing the message. But just because the messenger is bringing the message, it doesn't mean, guess what? That they're above the law either. And it also doesn't mean that even though you might have resentment towards the, the messenger, that you have to disregard the messenger either. As the messenger, Paul knew there was great stakes at hand. There was great responsibility and great weight that he was carrying and he was bearing. What a heavy responsibility the apostle Paul was carrying when he was bringing this letter to the church at Rome. His desire was to bring the church at Rome into a greater love and a greater commitment to Jesus and a greater unity in Christ in order that they would all come together in reaching the world for Jesus. Because he was, he was the first to, to, to understand and experience that love and that grace of Jesus. And because he had understood that, the weight or the responsibility that maybe some of us are seeing right now, man, what a crazy task that he had. Guess what? He was able to put that back on Jesus because of his maturity. Sometimes we forget that the weight and the responsibility of life or sin or trouble or turmoil or, or mistakes really belong to God. We just have to bring our hearts and our lives into obedience and into alignment with him. So Paul, God chose to use Paul. God chose to use Paul because he was going to bring these groups together and bring them into a more harmonious relationship. You guys, when, when we fail to, to be that, that, that light, that image bearer, when we fail to, to be that standard bearer, then guess what? We are allowing our disobedience and we are allowing a permissive theology and, and a permissive culture to be the pervading culture and theology both in the church and outside the church. When you don't have a standard, when we don't have a standard as a, a person of God, then guess what? Everything becomes acceptable. And as everything becomes acceptable, we stop to, to focus on what God is bringing us into and what God wants us to understand and how God wants us to live because we are carrying around the guilt and the shame of sin. And we are allowing a permissive theology. Oh, well, you know what? Well, it does say judge, judge not lest ye be judged. That's right. It's not your job to condemn anybody to hell. But you better judge. You better look at a situation and be like, that is wrong. Or have the ability to look at another situation and say, praise God, I want to support that. That's called judging. When somebody does something wrong, 
You can look at that situation and pray on how you need to address it, how you need to approach it. Maybe you just got to pray. Or maybe you need to talk to that person. You're not judging them as in condemnation, but you are judging a moment. You're judging an action, not a person. You're, ju- you're judging sin. We are condemning sin. When we read through Romans chapter 1, and we read through how, how God has allowed us, because of our disobedience, to enter into a more per- perverted and into a more wicked and into a more disobedient way of life, that God gives us that because of our disobedience. He says, oh, you want to keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on living like that? All right, then go ahead. You can live out the consequences of your own actions, and you will see. And we have seen, haven't we, people of God? We have seen. It's not that we're better than anybody else. We're a part of the problem. We are a part of the problem because we have allowed such a, per- a, a permissive theology. Permitting this, permitting that, permitting that, permitting that, permitting that. And over time, over thousands and thousands of years, hundreds and hundreds of years, our culture, our society starts to take on a different identity and a different look, including the church. But Paul wanted to make sure that he lifted up the standard high. Lift it up, you guys. Don't stop teaching the word of God. Don't stop preaching the word of God. Don't stop living according to the word of God. Have hard conversations with your teenagers. Have hard conversations with your grown-up children. Have conversations and hard ones with your parents if they're not walking with Jesus. Paul, as the referee, wasn't liked a whole lot, but he was appreciated and respected. He was also a good pastor. Look what it says here in chapter 2. Verse 25, circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. If those who are not uncircumcised keep the law's requirements, he's ta- now he's talking about Gentiles who are uncircumcised, and he's talking about the Jews as being those who are circumcised. That was the physical sign. A child was circumcised. Um, all right, so... You guys know, raise your hand if you all know what circumcision is. If you don't know what circumcision is, just ask the doctor what they do to a young boy at day two or day three if their parents want them to have their private part circumcised. Y'all following me? I won't say ouch. The one who is not, uncir- uh, not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, who even though you have the written code and circumcision are a lawbreaker. So here we have Paul now starting to parse through his discussion in order that the church at Rome might understand 
more fully. Their responsibility to God and to one another. To the Jews, he was saying, do not lift yourself up above the Gentile. So Paul was bringing their mountain down. To the Gentile, he was saying, do not think too lowly of yourselves. He was lifting up the valley in order that he would create a more even and balanced relationship and understanding of how two groups would coincide and work together and understand their relationship to the other. In a family that has multiple children, you have the oldest child, maybe a second child, maybe a third child. You cannot disregard the natural order that each one was born into. But sometimes there are relational dynamics in families. Sometimes there's resentment. Sometimes there's jealousy in families. Sometimes there's disagreements and discussions. Sometimes there's preferential treatment. Sometimes there's favorites. Hopefully there's no favorites in your family. Hopefully if you have, if you recognize any of that in your own family or in yourself, you check it. You bring it to the Lord and you ask the Lord to help you have a more balanced approach of how you treat your children and how you interact with each one because they're all different. But parents have to sit down and explain the dynamics and help their children to work through all of those dynamics. So if Paul is a spiritual father and Paul's job is to show and express the dynamics of what was going on in the early church at Rome, then God wanted to use him in such a special way. So with one group, the Jews, who he says, yes, you were first. And you were meant to be used of God to reach all the world. Yet some of you guys forgot your responsibility and your role as the older sibling But you have to be reminded that it's your responsibility and that through Jesus, God came to save the world and you guys produced Messiah. The Jews produced Messiah. They weren't special for any other reason other than God chose them. If you're a, the eldest child in this room, you're not special because you're special. You're special because you happen to be the first born child in that way. If you're the second born, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, raise your hand if you come from a family of 10. Okay, we all have smaller families. Sister Lydia, give Sister Lydia a round of applause. Her parents had to work through a whole lot of dynamics. I have a friend who comes from a family of 21. Same mom and dad. Talk about multiple generations within the, fam the siblings, huh? So Paul says to the Jews, remain humble. And then Paul says to the Gentiles, watch this, be encouraged. Because look what it says in verse 27. The one who is not circumcised, everybody say the Gentiles, physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you 
who even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. So then he says this. The Gentile, he says, if you don't abide by God's word, the Gentile will judge you. So what does he mean right here when he says judge or condemn? Is he talking about eternal condemnation? No. He's not talking about judgment day that the Gentiles are going to condemn or judge the Jews who were circumcised physically and of the flesh, who were disobeying the law of God. What he is saying is this. By your actions and your ability to obey God's word or not, they're going to end up showing you up. That's what it means. The Gentiles are going to show you up if they start living according to the word of God and you guys over here who are all puffed up and high and mighty think that you're better than them but are actually living a life in disobedience and not following out the word of God. So he says, they're going to show you up. So what's he doing to the Jews? He's telling them, hey, don't slow down. Keep loving God. Keep living for God. And stay humble. To the Gentiles, he's saying this. The Jews are not better than you. The gospel is for you too. It's the gospel of God. Paul was called to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And that's what we're seeing here in the book of Romans because the book of Romans is a window to the Bible. In Romans chapter 11, Paul demonstrates that the whole book is about God and his son, Jesus Christ. So Paul does this. And he levels out the playing field. Kind of like what Sister Esther was trying to do today. She's saying, we're not going to give one to anyone in particular. I love that. I love that. Today is pastor's appreciation. All the pastors being recognized. Praise the Lord. No one is lifted up higher than the other. We all just have different roles and responsibilities. Praise the Lord. Amen. So what does it mean for us today? Today, let me ask, if you've been walking with the Lord, if you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have been born again, if you've been part of what you would call the church or the body of Christ, whether here or some other place, for more than 10 years, raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want everybody to look around. Raise, keep your hand held high. These are folks that have been walking with the Lord for 10 plus years. Give the Lord a hand of praise today. Give God a hand of praise today. If you've been walking with Jesus, if you've been born again, if you've been baptized, should have included that in the other one as well. For less than 10 years, 
I want you to stand up right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. If that's you, stand up. Everybody look around. Hallelujah. You may be seated. If you believe that Jesus is God, that he came to this earth to die on the cross for your sins and mine, you believe that he was risen from the dead in three days and conquered death, and your life has been covered by the blood of Jesus, and you've been saved by faith through grace, stand up. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I'm not going to make anybody feel less than, uncomfortable. I'm not going to ask who has not yet received Jesus. I'm not going to ask who has not yet put their faith in Jesus. That's between you and the Lord. We pray. We, we all pray that if you have not yet taken that step, that you would continue to trust the Lord and ask God to show you who he is and what he means to us. And that you'd come to that place of salvation in your own life. The word of God for us today is if you're older in the faith, it does not make you any better than anybody else. If you're younger in the faith, it does not make you any less. Because this whole thing's about Him. Today is a day of worship. We've all come together to worship him and to recognize who his son Jesus is and to worship him because of that relationship and because of that recognition. God has called us to help each other along wherever we may be in our journey. God was calling the Jews and the Gentiles to help each other along. God was calling the Jews who had a greater understanding of who Jesus was to help the Gentiles along and to not look at them any differently than themselves. They needed to understand the difference, but not to treat anybody any different. For those who are new in the faith, praise the Lord. You're excited. You're on fire. There's a an unspeakable joy that you've experienced that sometimes is so appealing to a Christian who's been serving God for a very, very long time. You're like, man, I remember when I, when I was on fire like that. Well, guess what? Allow that fire to be set in your life and in your heart. Allow the passion, the excitement of the new believer to be contagious 
upon your life. For those who know the word of God and who have studied the word of God, enter into relationship and conversation and discussions with newer believers so that they can learn and have a greater understanding of who God is and what the gospel means for them. In this world, there's a word called mentorship, right? We need, we need spiritual mentors and spiritual mentees. We need teachers and we need disciples. We need teachers and we need learners. Praise the Lord. So in chapter 2, we see that the Apostle Paul wanted to make sure that there was no favoritism going on in the church. It keeps us all humble. When we're discouraged, the Lord says, be encouraged. We as the body of Christ have a standard to lift up. And we should not be afraid of that standard. None of us, whether new believers or mature believers, no matter what you've gone through in life, maybe you've gone through some hardships, do not take your foot off the gas pedal in serving Jesus.